0: Here we go. Okay, episode two of I've Known You Too Long. We're just going to jump right into this. My guest tonight is Rocky Vodalato, someone I've known for a long time, Uh Rocky Botolotto is someone you may have heard of. He's a singer-songwriter. He's released a number of solo records. He was also the uh, singer from the band Waxwing. And I had the honor, and he had the probable displeasure, of starring (laughs) in my film, The Edge of Quarrel. That's right. uh, Which is a task I put him through between 1997 and 1999, and that he's still having to live down to this day. Uh, Rocky, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for coming over, man. It's good to be here, man. Um, okay, Rocky, I've known you too long.
1: Probably. And,
0: and the, way this, <laughs> the way this works is, and this is going to be the most common version of this, this is just what I said to Greg the other day, is uh, there's a number of ways I can interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most common one I'm discovering with people that I've known for a long time is that I cannot remember. I've known you so long that I cannot remember when we met for the first time. Yeah. I have early memories of you. Okay. Um, And I, I have what is in, in my mind the first visual of you.
1: I think I remember when we first met. And w- was it at a party? Remember a party that uh, Jake Snyder... Okay.
0: All right. So you, is that, is we're, that we're
1: already on the same page. Okay. And I'm going to... And I've
0: already got it figured out. But my problem is, is that when I saw you at this party <laughs> that we're about to talk about, I already knew who you were. Okay. But I think maybe <clears throat> we hadn't met, but you were somebody who'd been on stage and I would have... I would have seen you before. So here's the thing. Okay. You were playing second guitar for That's State right. Route 522 oh my God, that is right. on Halloween, October 31st of 1995 at the Baldwin's house.
1: No way. Was that the Baldwin's house? I didn't know that. I believe. So. No, no. See, here's the thing. I don't I even be, know. I could house be wrong <laughs> in my head. I thought
0: that was the Baldwin's house. And here's what I remember. Uh-huh. Um, I had been told. That you were now playing second guitar for State Route 522 because Todd Graham
1: oh was no gosh. longer in the band. Was Todd in in 522? That's so crazy. I didn't even remember that. Am I wrong? Was no, he not? He, he probably was. I think he was. God, I actually, actually
0: could be completely wrong about that. But this is kind of the idea of this podcast. And first, I'm going to explain the podcast to you. Okay. This is the, the the setup of the podcast, the whole the structure of it. All right. So we'll get to that. But no... That we could be completely wrong about a bunch of these details, but over the course of this podcast, a picture is essentially going to (laughs) develop...
1: A timeline. I guarantee you we're going to be wrong about all, all these of the details. And that's OK.
0: And I also do a thing afterwards where I try to correct the record. If okay. I if I can when I'm going through an editing and going through what we've said, I'll right. notice things that are wrong or I'll try to verify and I can go in and correct the record. And then I'm hoping that in the future, other guests who have listened to the podcast before they come on will also make corrections into the course of recording. Great idea. So here's how it works. We figure out as near as we can when we met. Then I, we go back from there and I do, I'm going to ask you some questions, figure out who you are, essentially why you are who you are and how you came to be in a place where we could have met. Okay. From birth to whenever it was, (laughs) then we'll go forward and we'll talk about stuff that's happened since. Okay. And that's uh that's the podcast. I like it. It's a good Uh, idea.
1: Man, I I can't believe we're already talking about this party. I'm so excited. You were wearing a silver (laughs) shirt. I was. What were it was, you? What were you dressed as? It, I don't even remember. I think like a spaceman or something. Like a, you put on a silver of, shirt and said I'm a spaceman. I'm an alien. Was that your? <laughs> is that how you? Or I was some you, kind of a crossdresser because it was so tight. It was. Do you remember? Like
0: okay. Wait a had, were you dressing as a cross-dresser in 1995 on yeah, Halloween? That's, yeah. That's. I mean, progressive of you. It was bold. I like it. People liked it. <laughs> it was good. But I remember people were like, "What? the... What is Rocky? Way? now? What is that? What's that guy got on?" I was Lloyd Dobler that year. Is that right? Your wife remembers. Ah, oh, that's so cool. That sounded terrible, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you knew my wife before I did. I did. And I met my wife through And the you. best part is, that, <laughs> well, we, we can definitely get to that, but that's that's future. We okay. can't tell that story now. We got to right. right. wait. All right. All right. Let's um, follow
1: the rules. We're going to follow the rules.
0: <laughs> um, I walk into this party. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually hoping to meet Michael Ann. Oh, okay. And I thought, hey, I'll go as Lloyd Dobler. No girl can resist that. <laughs> and I've had a trench coat and I I, wa- I dressed as close as I could to Lloyd Dobler. I had a little bag with some keys in it. So I was the key master. That's cool. And Michael wasn't there, but April was. And she knew who I was immediately. I believe she was sitting on a couch and she went, Lloyd
1: Dobler. Like when no I walked way. in the April door. April was at that party because I didn't meet her that night. No. You didn't know that, my this current is... wife, April. For the <laughs> listeners, let's fill them in. And Mike Land, Dave's current girlfriend now. Yes, and that's
0: although we how did, many years ago we did not we know 95? each other. We did not know each other yet. It, she had not met me. I had seen her and knew that she was someone I wanted to meet and was. Re- I knew she hung out with the people that would have been having this party. Sure. So I thought this would be if if she's there, I'm going to go up and and introduce myself.
1: That's so awesome.
0: And it didn't happen for another few months. That's couple crazy. another another couple months.
1: So who's who was throwing the party? Do you remember? I,
0: I, wasn't that a Baldwin House in Kirkland? Must have been Redmond. I don't know
1: where was it. I never knew. I just know that Jake Snyder. Who mm-hmm. asked me to and, play And with Jake Snyder Stara was in at 522.
0: He's now Minus the Bear.
1: Right? Yep. <clears throat> he asked me to uh, fill in on second guitar for this one show. So I remember going and practicing with those guys, learning the songs. Wait, so there was no period of time where you were in the band other than one show? I think that, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I may have done one other performance with those guys, but I think that was it.
0: No recording with you on it?
1: No. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't officially in the band. I was just kind of filling in.
0: OK. And then you was, at, at the time you were doing other music.
1: Yeah. I, gosh, I can't even remember. I mean, this is where I I was like guaranteeing you that we're going to have some, nah, some gonna, mistakes because <laughs> it's going to start clearing that fog. It's going to yeah. start clearing away, man. I don't remember what year I started Waxwing and I'm not sure if I was already um, if I was already playing in Waxwing at that point or if I was still in a band called Lying on Loot. Because I had put out a split 7-inch with uh, State Route 5.2. No, not Two. yet.
0: You hadn't done it yet.
1: Okay, that hadn't come out yet. No. Okay, so I probably was still... That's after we meet. Okay, crazy. We're going backwards. We'll go backwards from there. <laughs> so that party was what? really a good time, though. I remember like having an awesome time there. It was a good time. a lot of people really like my costume. Yeah, it was memorable.
0: <laughs> Somewhere out there, there's a photo. And if anyone listening to this podcast has that photo
1: we would really like to see it i looked hot i was i had like a like skin tight <laughs> silver outfit on <coughs> just it was more than a shirt wasn't it it didn't go into my like pants it too. kind of was it almost was like a metallic that shimmied and it
0: wasn't right <laughs> but it was halloween you get away with whatever yeah if i had seen you wearing that not on halloween i would have had questions
1: yeah you would have been right to have them. But I do have questions. <laughs> I just think it's amazing that the <clears throat> woman who turned out to be my future wife was at that party. I didn't even know that, and I didn't meet her. She probably saw me in the silver shirt, but we didn't meet that night.
0: Yeah, I feel like she's talked about it before, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So um, here's the thing. Uh-huh. I already knew before I came to that party who you were and that you were playing. Jake said, Rocky's playing with us. You know Rocky. So, here's the thing. I'm assuming that you and I knew each other from the old firehouse in Redmond. That's right. Um, were you... You worked at the old <clears throat> firehouse. Yeah, at the time. I was working there. At the time, in 1995. Pretty sure, yeah. Okay. Um. So, we clearly had run across each other at, at shows. And the first person, the first Votolato I knew was your brother. Oh, yeah. When he, was, when he was a little kid running around being a total shit. And I say this with love. <laughs> being a total shit. Nothing's changed, Dave. Oh, God. Cody, so... <laughs> Pettibone and I were sitting, John Pettibone from uh-huh. Undertow, we're sitting at the merch table at the old firehouse at one of those big Undertow shows. Yep. Cody comes up and is just talking shit Really? To us. <laughs> and it was great. It was just the foul-mouthed little kid. And I don't know how, well, I'm saying little that kid. doesn't surprise me at all. Michael and I earlier told me she thought he was probably 14 at this time. I think it's younger. I'm thinking he's got to be younger than that. Because this see. could
1: be 93
0: or early 94.
1: Yeah, it's incredible how many shows he went to with a, me.
0: And he was really young, oh, right? Oh, yeah. He was, he was always okay. the youngest. So whole, the how
1: shows. old do you think he was at the first show you took him to at the old firehouse? Okay, so he he's five years younger than me. So I was in 95. I'm trying to think. Um, okay, so I was born in 77. Oh, don't make me do math. <laughs> So let's see. Uh, how old was I in 95? Come on. You 18. can do this, Dave. <laughs> what was it? 77 in 95? Yeah. 18. So I was 18 in that year when He's I Five played. years younger than you. He's 13.
0: Michael N's pretty much right. In 95. Okay. So I said I thought <clears> he was 12. And we're talking 94. But here's the thing. He's talking shit. And then he goes and runs off and does whatever he does. Like he's like the, biggest, the world's biggest winner. Totally. Um, I'm talking a, 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 about He had a job shirt on. Like probably. an oversized job he breaker shirt. look like. Yeah, exactly. And I'm talking about someone I love to death here. So I don't mean this in any <laughs> bad way. But I look at Pettibone. And Pettybone looks at me and goes, I love that kid. Yeah. Because <laughs> John loved the, his attitude.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. He had a and bad that's, attitude. That's my first memory of Cody. <laughs> um, Did you ask Cody to be in the movie before me? Did, had you met Cody before you met me? No. Okay, so you met. No, because I think it
0: took me a while to understand that you guys, that, that there was a connection, mm-hmm. and like it took even longer to know Sonny okay. that there was a connection. But I did. There's there are votolatos out there, and, a lot and Brandy of them. too. So um <laughs> Brandy's in the music let's, business let's, too. Let's clear something up right now. Okay. Voto lato. That's it. That's correct, right? That's as why correct people, in
1: quotes as as you want to get. Yeah. But you saying your own name, say it out loud. Rocky Vodolato. Okay. I would say it that way. But see, I always kind of take it with a grain of salt of because course. okay, the original Vodolato was from it's it's an Italian name. So it was Vodolato. You know, that was the original right. way it was pronounced. People want to say Vodolato. A lot of people say Vodolato. Hey, they can say it however they want. It doesn't but matter to me. But why have two o sounds in the name? Voto la to It's
0: easy. You don't have to remember anything.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the point I'm making is I'm just cool with however people want to say it. You know, people say it different ways all over the planet now. To me, when I travel, right. and I'm I never correct them because whatever. I don't give a shit. You're too now. nice of a guy. <laughs> but I think. It, but here's the thing: though, I think it every time
0: I hear someone say your name wrong, I go no, <laughs> say it right. Learn it. It doesn't matter to me. The okay. thing is. But, the but thing you know is, what? Though? Okay, it doesn't it matter to the, you, but we right have way. an official recorded version of you saying your name the correct way and me <laughs> questioning it. So after this, yep. let's all just say Vodolato, okay? Votolato. Rocky, Rocky Vodolato. I love Rocky Vodolato. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much, I know how to correctly pronounce his name.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Dave, for clearing that up. You bet. Okay, good. So let's go back a
0: little ways. All right. You're in these bands on the East Side. Um, you were in. Lying on loot. Mm-hmm.
1: Prior to that, what band were you in? Um, before that, was in a band called Runaway Laughing.
0: Okay. My good Is it buddy... the same
1: people? No. It was um, some of my other friends from high school, a um, guy named Justin Deary, who yep. a lot of people know just from around the music scene. Sure. Uh, he was in a band called Whale Bones for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he and I were best friends like through high school. And we had a tape. We had one cassette tape release. Um, on It's called... I think it's just self titled Runaway Laughing. And um Jake Snyder recorded it. Yep. And uh, yeah. So
0: what about prior to that? Were you in a band prior to that?
1: I don't think so. I think that was my first official band and uh and then it was Lying on Loot, then Waxwing. Then and, Waxwing. And yeah. then,
0: and and at the same time as Waxwing you were also doing solo stuff. Yeah, and we've, I think I think during on-
1: Lying on Loot I started doing solo stuff and right. had a few releases.
0: Okay, and we're getting ahead of it because we're gonna go the other way. You came from somewhere and I want to know where that is. Okay. You you're not from the northwest. That's right. Okay, where are you from? From Frost,
1: Texas. Frost, Texas. <laughs> yeah.
0: Were um were all your siblings born there?
1: Um well, we were all born in Dallas actually, but we moved just outside of Dallas to, to frost. Yeah. It's Texas. It's some of my earliest in memories,
0: is just Texas, <laughs> unless it's Austin. It's all Texas, <laughs>
1: right? It's rural Texas, is it
0: rural Texas. Yeah.
1: Super small town. Okay. So
0: you were saying some of your earliest memories
1: or from frost. I mean, that's really where I, where I feel like my childhood, you know, the, the memories that matter, you know, the formative years of my life were there in frost. Okay. Uh, what kind of a kid were you? I was, I was kind of tough. Like, yeah. Rough, rough and tumble kind of kid. Like i
0: You got in fights? I got in fights. I had. With family or with other like neighborhood kids? Both. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So you got two brothers younger yeah. and Sonny's older?
1: Sonny's older. He's three years older than He's, me. I didn't know he was three years older than yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you got a, a three year older brother and you have to fight him. Yeah. So you become a good fighter. Yeah. And he wins.
1: Most of the time. Do you ever he win? win?
0: Um, Here and
1: there. As we got a little lucky, bit older. Lucky shot. Did he teach you well <laughs> enough that you could beat him? We got in one major fight that was <clears throat> when we were teenagers that was like a little old? bit more serious. Was it here or in Texas? It was in Texas. Okay. We, we lived in Houston at the time. We had just moved from Frost. We lived in Houston for two years okay, just before how, we moved to How Seattle. old are you when you move away from Texas? Um, so I was, let's see. I was 12 when I moved to... I was eleven or twelve when I moved out of frost to Houston, and that was I was in ninth grade, so how old are you in ninth grade? I't do know thirteen fourteen probably like that age right so and then um, uh, my first year here in Seattle was uh in tenth grade so i okay. I think I was thirteen or or fourteen when I moved up here
0: okay, fourteen I bet but um okay, so we're gonna go i'm just I'm just trying to get a timeline on this mm-hmm. so that means sunny is. is is 16 17 when you guys move here right okay
1: yeah he's a little older
0: all right he got ripped out of high school right before graduation
1: yeah and it was my my second year of high school okay because i went to in the high school i started at in ninth grade it was a uh, ninth through 12th um so there was you know freshman through senior yeah and so i had my freshman year in houston In a new town, you know, I just moved there, didn't know anybody. Right. Went from a 1A school, which is the smallest you can have in Texas, to a 5A school, which is like, you know, it was just a huge transition for me. Sure. And that year was super tough. And then the very next year, I moved up to Seattle and started again as a sophomore, Um, you know, just was a total outcast. All right. And so I was just trying
0: to establish the (laughs) timeline. And then, well, and that changed quickly. It did. Later. So let's get back to what we really want to talk about, which is the fighting. Okay. Tell me about this fight, this bad, big, bad fight with your three-year-old brother.
1: Only you Don't could, hit the mic. Only you could get this out of me, Dave. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Sonny and I were, of course, I was totally hung up on this girl. She lived like three houses down from us, mm-hmm. and her name was Mandy. Okay. And I thought she was so beautiful. I mean, I was just totally in love with her. And uh, she's probably going to hear this out there somewhere in that, Texas. Dude, seriously, <laughs> that would be so amazing. Yeah, but I was completely in love with this girl and I um, you know,
0: like, I think I think I like made a, out with like
1: her. 11-year-old lo- how old are you at this time? Man, I was th- this is the kind of kid I was. Like I had sure. I had girlfriends from the time I was in kindergarten. Okay. Can you so you're that? a lover and a fighter. Yes. <laughs> 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 had a dynamic
0: childhood. And Rocky, no one's going to be surprised. You've written songs about cracking people's heads open with baseball bats. There's violence and darkness in your beautiful music. Oh, thank you, Dave. Oh, I did mean it as a compliment. I just wasn't sure you'd take it that way.
1: All right. No, it's, so, all, it's all so part of
0: the game. How old are you in the Epic Mandy situation?
1: <laughs> so, okay. So I was in ninth grade. So I guess I was okay. 12.
0: No, no, no. I, 12, 13? It, yeah.
1: Somewhere in there. You graduated
0: eighteen, so we're not going twelve to eighteen. It's not six years from now. You're fourteen.
1: What was I? Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seven. Uh, maybe yeah, I just gotta, gotta like, See, 14. I told you already. That's My okay. memory for these kind of details. No, no, is it's not good. I'm good. trying to sort
0: it out too. I mean, maybe they do things different, in Texas. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think uh, so. I was somewhere between the ages of twelve and fifteen. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, and so. And you were making out with some girl. Yeah, I made out with Mandy a few times. I thought it was getting serious. Yeah. You know, I thought she really liked me, that I had a shot with her. Um. So then I, found, I find out that summer that, you know, Sonny had made out with her. Kind of behind my back.
0: Oh, this is some movie stuff, man. Yeah. This is family. He's So he's making out with your girlfriend behind well, your Well, she back. wasn't my
1: girlfriend, though. See, that's the thing. But she was just a girl she you with. She just was a girl with. I was trying to hook up with and who I liked a lot. But right. who, kind, who kind of was just sort of like, oh, yeah, I'll hang out with you here and there, but I'm not. She knew she liked to vote a lot. Was... Yeah, but okay. not me specifically. <laughs> not enough to be my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> and not make out with my brother. All right. So how'd you find out about it? Um. I don't remember. I think it was another one of the girls that lived on the block told me. A <laughs> girl, girl across the street. Her name was Shelly. She tells you. Sh- okay. It was either Shelley or Tracy. One of them told me.
0: I think I think the, it's Shelly and Tracy came over and they were excited to be which one could tell you first. Because that sounds like Shelly and Tracy to me.
1: <laughs> it was a, It was insane. Like the kind of relationships that went on. Shelly and Tracy were going to tell in you. In Houston, Texas. Yeah.
0: And they were tired of Mandy. <laughs> Manny got, gussied up, going, going vote-a-lotto to vote-a-lotto. And so they decided they were going to come, you know. So anyway, back, back to the story. Yeah. I... This,
1: no, this is the story. <laughs> Go on. So I found out and I was just, I was totally pissed. I mean, I was like livid, like really pissed. Right. And it was it was just kind of a tumultuous time. Like our parents had just gotten divorced. We just moved to Houston. You know, we were um, we were going through a lot of transition in our life in general. I was drinking heavily at that time in my life. And, um, so I took it really hard and I attacked my brother. So I, I, he didn't know it was coming. I think we, we had some harsh words inside or outside. It was inside in the house. Yep. So I dove at him and I tackled him fr- at the hips and, uh, we went over the back of my bed mm-hmm. in, in my bedroom we went over the back of the, um, the bed railing yep. hit the ground and I came up swinging and I was hitting him. And then that's you know, Rocky he, acting out the
0: fight, which is <laughs> so I apologize for the, for the sound quality. Kind of, I kind of don't.
1: <laughs> so, so I'm punching him. he, of course, is much bigger than me and stronger than me at the time. So you just had the element of surprise. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, three years I had up. the element of severe anger and and surprise. And I was at that point in my life, I was fearless. I mean, I would just attack anybody and try to kill them. You know, that's kind of this the kind of kid I was. And so I I had him down on the ground. He he's stronger than me, so he he flips me over, comes down with a just a crushing fist right to the face, hit me square in the nose. I remember just seeing stars, and then. That was the end of the fight. You know, I was pretty much out. Okay, so he not, he just one hit he, boom he, ends he it. punched me square in the nose, and I was out. but okay. I I remember getting up and running out of the house, and you know running off into the into the fields for several hours before I was like you know composed enough to come back to the house. And but then, there was there was a lot of fights like that at the time. I remember my mom throwing us out of the house and for fighting. Guns were held, and it was it was intense. Well, now you really upped the ante with guns were
0: held. That yeah. doesn't say who's holding the guns.
1: Different people at different times.
0: <laughs> this and you was had Texas, tex- and you had day. guns in the house. Oh yeah, post post your parents splitting up. Yeah, so your mom had guns too, or you guys just had your own? We guns? We all had our own guns. So at fourteen, you owned firearms.
1: Yes, I um, had three fifty seven, Magnum.
0: Oh, a pistol, not even like a, like a shotgun no, or a twenty two rifle, had, like other young. Because this is because this is Texas. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. I had what, handguns from a young age.
0: Did they just stay in Texas? When you moved, did you bring them to Washington?
1: I'm not at liberty to say.
0: Wait, do you still own these guns? Are they, is there like a safe with
1: Dave, these we can't talk about this.
0: Please. Oh, crossing state lines. You're right. There probably is some sort of law.
1: It's um, probably <coughs> illegal. <laughs> I don't think the guns were ever uh, registered anyway.
0: Okay. Well, this is, look, this is interesting. So my dad was an
1: outlaw. Da- we, there were guns all over the house. And we you had, grew
0: up with guns. I grew up in a household with a lot of guns too. Not outlaw guns. I mean, hunting. Sure. Was very much sure. – I grew up in a rural place, and yeah, we had and, hunting guns as well. And so I was trained in gun safety. I was shooting guns at like five, six years old. Cool. Um, and I'm assuming same for you. Yeah, it was the same experience. You and so there was never any curiosity or confusion in my mind about a gun and what its power or or was or what the what the possibilities were. So sure. there was. And I feel like, well, if you were pointing guns at your siblings, definitely <laughs> the, the the message did not get to you. But we were a little crazy
1: okay. at that time.
0: But I mean, that, that's the thing. It's it's different than, you know, coming across a gun and being like, what's this? And pointing and actually shooting some neighbor kid, you know, right. we, we were very gun savvy. Oh, it yeah, was we a were different too. time. We were trained. And this gun. was a different time. You know, we're talking about, well, you're talking about the early 80s.
1: Yeah, I guess so. early to, L- to late 80s. No, this okay. this was pretty late 80s. Oh, okay. Almost. Yeah, 90s. I guess that
0: makes sense. But it's Texas, so <laughs> could could be any time. Different rules apply. <laughs> all right. So, I did not expect any kind of gun conversation. I find that pretty fascinating. Yeah, um,
1: you're not a It's gun- crazy to remember that. You're not a gun guy now. No, no. I mean, I just I kind of moved past all that and right. you know, just got one, I got interested in music, my whole life changed. Everything about me, you know, yes. I refocused my energy on music and becoming a songwriter and
0: well it's going to be the it, it's going to be so much of what we talk about on this podcast is the influence of music and how it redirects your life let's get back into what we're talking about
1: yeah the story so, with mandy <laughs>
0: oh what did you do to mandy like what what oh i just didn't really talk to her much after that you didn't you know confront i felt her. i felt betrayed you didn't say
1: no i've never really t- i've never talked to her to this day it still haunts me really <laughs>
0: such a lie
1: you don't care about mandy no i I know but it's pretty awesome that you said that but my teenage self really did you know oh, that was yeah, a, it was my, a big deal. But I
0: was, I mean, dude, I was just working out like getting on Facebook right now and finding Mandy
1: for you. <laughs> I think I heard from Tracy and Shelly that she has, because um, I've heard from them on Facebook. Dude, when you started this story, you said there was only one. I'm the one that made it two people. <laughs> no, this is Tracy and Shelly. They're across. They were. They live directly across the street. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh I love this this okay. is so fun Tra- I,
1: I think it, I did not imagine us talking about the block in Houston that I lived on Okay, well, this is perfect this is this is the kind of thing
0: I want to talk about <laughs> look all of this makes you who you are this is where a lot of the creativity came from sure. a lot of things that you written, have written about and just it's interesting to me um, you know I can read a hundred different interviews about the projects that you're working sure. on and the records you're putting out and everything and that's all cool. But we don't need to talk about that. We, right. You are going to get a chance to talk about that. We'll talk about that stuff later on in the podcast. Yeah,
1: you got a little bit of a deeper perspective. <clears throat> we we have been friends a long time, right? That's the point of this this podcast. Yeah, and we can't, this, we've and known we, each other and too long.
0: What I like, <laughs> not really. I mean, that's a uh, kind of a joke name, totally. Because <laughs> I intend to know you for the rest of your life sure well we spend every i'm saying it that way every new year's eve together that's well that's the future but yes it's true we have <laughs> and and we have spent every new year's <laughs> Eve together for how many years now
1: i don't know at it's, least it's a,
0: it's a decade close to a decade and it's really one of the highlights of my year I tell it's, you. Fun, it's a yeah. good it's a good way to end it all after right after christmas and i'm just burnt out and all i, I know that i've got just to hang out with you and your killer family and it's, it's it's awesome man it's good um i feel very lucky about that um but that's the fight with your brother. Mm-hmm you fight your family. You gave up more and more information than I expected with the firearms. <laughs> you fight a lot of other kids, a lot of other boys in the neighborhood. Have, um, Let's <clears> see. <throat> you ever <throat> see Knock Around Guys? No. Maybe Knock Around Guys? I think it's uh, – what's his name? You know, Triple X. Uh, Riddick, that actor. Can I can't think of his name. Know. I'm bad with that. Come names. on. bald dude. This is stupid. <laughs> I actually know this actor's name, but I do this all the time when I need to remember somebody's name. I don't know it. I live for this shit. Come on. He's in the Fast and Furious movies. I don't
1: watch <laughs> i oh, I was ben really hoping you would okay. say it. Okay.
0: Um <laughs> there's a there's a part in the movie where he like says a number. He's like 36. Uh-huh. Like, He's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "That's how many fights he had to have before like it didn't matter anymore or something." Like that till he was like Till he considered himself to be like an actual fighter, or right? Whatever, you know, someone who. um I found that
1: I'm, experience counts when you're fighting.
0: And I and I know that I am misquoting this movie horribly, and I've missed like the main point of that number and what he said. But yeah, were you that kind of kid? Like, did you fight no, dozens of times? It wasn't
1: all the time. It was usually just something silly, you know. Like it would be with even people that I was friends with, you know, at the time. Like we would end up in a scuffle or something, you know. I think it was it was rare. I mean it happened, but it, there's there's probably, you know, only five or six times that I got into fights with kids that, you know, where it didn't just resolve and we were still friends afterwards. You okay. know, or so something like that. But it it was just kind of like I said, it was like rough and tumble yeah. kind of kid. I like, focus I, on I, this I stuff. Rode motorcycles and four wheelers and I was outside a lot and I played right. sports. You were like and, a total out
0: and you played a lot of sports? Yeah, yeah, I did. Football?
1: played football. I mean, in Texas, you have to play football. It's like a religion, you know? Right. Were you good at it? I was good at it, at least when I lived in Frost, because, you know, the pool of people is much smaller. And so I kind of had this, it was, it was amazing because when I, I moved from Frost to Houston, all my, my dreams around, you know, how good I was at sports were totally shattered because, you know, I thought I was good <laughs> at at football, baseball, basketball, you know, I played every soccer. I mean, I played right. every sport. And then when I got to Houston and I realized, oh, my God, there's all these other kids and they're way bigger and stronger and better. At and they've, these had, sports. More, they've <laughs> had more competition. Exactly. This time. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So then I was like, Uh oh, I'm actually not that good at this. And I have no business playing football. I mean, I'm like, you know, five, seven on a good day. <laughs> Is that
0: are, are you five, seven?
1: <laughs> Something like that. Yeah.
0: OK. Uh, so you say you're 5'7", and that's your optimistic height? <laughs> no, no, because I say I'm 5'9", and I'm 5'9", yeah. if I'm trying hard. Yeah. If I'm stretching. That's I'm me fun, on 5'7". So. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm probably like 5'6". six. And yeah, half. probably like 5'8". half. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Um, what, role, uh, what
1: role did music play in your life in Texas? Well, that's a great question. It was totally different. I mean, I loved music, and I listened to it. Um, a lot of the music that I listened to and was influenced by when I was younger came from my dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he he had really good taste in music. He listened to a lot of like Outlaw Country, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he's the one who first played me like the early Dylan records that were super inspiring to me and Cat Stevens and, uh, you know, Chris Christopherson and the guys that I really ended up super looking up to as songwriters later. You know, music was more, it was just kind of something that was, my parents, you know, it was, it was more in the background. Like I didn't partake in it in the same way that I did when I moved up to Seattle, there wasn't a scene, you know, I wasn't going to shows. And I think the first show that I saw was like Def Leppard or the, that was like one of the that only was the shows concert. <laughs> yeah. Like I went to see uh, Def Leppard in Dallas in like 82 or something. <laughs> that's
0: pretty awesome. It <laughs> was that's great. a Good Def Leppard era. Yeah. You're, what so year
1: you're... was hysteria? No, no, no. What year was that?
0: Uh, Eighty. Five or beyond
1: was it? Yeah. So, yeah. so is that if you pour went, some sugar on me, if
0: you went and saw Def Leppard nineteen eighty two, you are talking high and dry pyromania.
1: No, it was it was hysteria.
0: Okay, I so was, was jealous like- for a minute. <laughs> now I don't care. You. They might have did they pl- They might have played some old songs, but you were watching it with people. I yeah yeah. That pour, was probably pour, probably some, sugar on on pour some sugar on me. Pour some sugar on me. Yeah, I remember singing that pyromania. In the car on the way home. Is a killer album. It is. And I know there are people out there who are like, no, man, High and Dry is a good one. You know what I mean? And on, there's probably fans of On Through the Night who would get mad. But I don't think there's a lot of people that would really like- Go
1: to the mat for hysteria. No. <laughs>
0: I I don't think- I could be totally wrong, and I don't care. Yeah. Like, it's, we're talking about Def Leppard. But, so, but that had to have had it. So that was your
1: first live event, though. It was. You okay. know the other band that I saw, though? Um, it's it's so perfect because it was in Texas. It was around the same time mm-hmm. my dad took me. It was Striper. Oh God! Do you Remember the band Striper, Striper in Texas, Yellow Crush, and Black Rock Band? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hated them. They threw out white Bibles at the <laughs> at the show. <laughs> now,
0: by that you mean Bibles for white people? No. <laughs> I mean, white-colored Bible. Oh, okay. I I don't know. It's Texas. It's Striker. It could be anything.
1: It wasn't like I that. I was
0: trying to goad you into something.
1: Yeah, please don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. All right. You, I well, I don't know. I all I knew you were going to be like, oh yeah, we, my, we knew a lot of Klansmen. I, oh you God. Were gonna... I hope not. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, was it in Texas where you first heard punk rock music? No. So you have to get out of Texas before you have that that kind of outcast music. What's well, weird yeah, though, because yeah. though you were listening to people who were still edgy, your dad was playing like Dylan for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. But he was much more into like, you know, Leonard Skinner and outlaw country and those types of musical, you know, exper- experiences is what he enjoyed. He didn't like like punk rock as much or, I mean, you know, that stuff, for me, I wasn't exposed to it until I moved up to Seattle.
0: Okay. Let's do that then. Tell me about about moving to Seattle mm-hmm. and, and that experience. You don't have to go into a lot if you don't want to, but anything that you think of that kind of matters. And who do you meet when you come to Seattle that puts you in this direction that gets us in the same place?
1: Sure. Okay. So <clears throat> my parents got divorced just before we moved out of Frost. And that was- well, the event that precipitated that was a tornado hitting my house. So we lived on a on a horse ranch out in Frost. There was fifteen horses, and we had a trailer house that uh, we lived in that had been built onto. You know, like my dad had paid some guys to come and like modify the house and add some rooms to it. And, but basically, it was just a glorified trailer house on a on a plot of land in Texas. And so a tornado came through. I was at baseball practice at the time, and we pulled over, like my, my mom had picked me up and all the other kids were in the car and we pulled over to the side of the road because it was a huge storm and we waited there while the while the storm passed. When we got home, we saw that a tornado had hit the house and completely destroyed it. So that event kind of precipitated, um, you know, my parents getting divorced, which that, that was coming for a long time, but it finally kind of kicked things into high gear. And my, my mom moved to Houston and um, she met my stepdad who owned a, a Longhorn Ranch down in Texas and he, or he was like an investor in the Longhorn Ranch. And so you're um, talking, talking about Spiro, my, my current okay. stepfather.
0: I, since I don't know the whole history, I wasn't just going to yep. assume. Yeah. Spiro's <laughs> killer.
1: He's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's a good guy. Um, so he, he came in and the hero that he is, you know, he took on, um, he, he fell in love with my mother and, and they got married and he took on uh, four, very unruly Texas teenagers <laughs> who just gone through a divorce and didn't want to move to Seattle at all. You know, so that that was amazing because he he really just, you know, was there for my family. And I've always had so much respect for him and looked up to him as a uh, an example, you know, um, of what, you know, what a father can be for a family. And so anyway, he worked at Boeing up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He's an aerospace engineer. And luckily, you know, he met my mom through the Longhorn business, and then um, she was doing some accounting for him at the time. They hit it off. They got married, and then we took the road trip up from Houston to Seattle, and that was in like ninety ninety one or ninety two. Okay. Um. So then, you know, I end up up in Seattle. Uh. You you probably know even better than I do what the Seattle music scene's like at that time. I mean, it's just, it's really a lot going on. And Nine, I, and, well,
0: 91 is never mind
1: Right. Yeah. Like like that's when the whole grunge thing was happening. And we were super into that. I mean, that's, we were already, when we were in Houston, we got exposed to like my older brother, Sonny, was listening to all of the, all those, you know, the typical grunge bands, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice okay. in Chains, all that stuff. so And
0: was he, was he clued into like sub pop, like the stuff that was lesser known, but was still... A
1: little bit, but okay. we were just starting to, you know, just get to the tip of the iceberg with that stuff we didn't really i mean in texas it just wasn't really well known you right. know there was no avenue into understanding what was happening more in the underground so we got up to seattle and then um you know i i wanted to play um guitar like my mom had bought me a, a guitar in houston from a pawn shop there my first guitar was like 200 hundred dollar crapper you know that, yeah. I, that ended acoustic up, guitar acoustic guitar that i learned to play on and then when I got up to Seattle, it was it was kind of the perfect uh environment for me to really dive into, you know, working on um, how to play guitar and how to write songs because I didn't I mean I didn't have any friends and I had a really thick Texas accent, you know, talk like that. So People... You have never had that accent, and come I know you. <laughs> so, how long did it take you
0: to lose your accent? I lost
1: it pretty fast. Did
0: you work actively
1: at losing? Oh, it? Oh yeah, I tried to lose it because people were making fun of me at high school. Yeah, well, or in high school, you know, people made fun of me for just being different and having, having the accent, and I don't know. It's
0: kind of a cool accent if you're the only one in school that's got it.
1: Yeah, I guess I just. Come didn't... on, there
0: were some people that thought it was cool, right?
1: I guess, but none of them were you didn't girls, about it. and they weren't talking to me. <laughs> Okay, I would have thought there were some girls that would have thought it would be cool. No, it was. It, I felt like it was really. I just wanted to fit in. You okay. know, there was a, enough going on in my life that I just. I was pretty unstable at the time. I was drinking heavily. Um, had a lot of mental problems. You were you drinking know. heavily in 1991, which makes you how old? Mm, was I 14? You were drinking heavily at 14. Yeah. Okay. I was drinking heavily by the time were you, I was 12. How, how were you getting it? Uh, well, when I was in Texas, my dad gave me as much as I wanted to drink. Okay. And he actively encouraged drinking and wanted me to drop out of high school and join the gang. So that's kind of the environment. I looks. know you've
0: covered this recently <laughs> in another podcast. Yeah. Like he, but he wanted you to join the gang. He wanted his son in the, is it like Sons of Anarchy kind of thing? Was it a bike gang?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It was uh, the Dallas Scorpions.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: You're naming names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a real a real motorcycle gang, you know, not in a glamorous way. It and so
0: was... you, it's not that you think he wanted this; it's that he told you this is what he wanted.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was actively trying to convince me to stay hey, stay with him. Hey,
0: thirteen year old son, because you're thirteen. I mean, this must have or was this right before you left when he brought this up?
1: Yeah, I mean, after the tornado hit the house, we found out he had another family. And, uh, that he was hiding in in Dallas, you know, where he had three other kids and another wife and, um, you have
0: three other biological
1: half brothers. Oh my God. Well, one half sister and two other half brothers. Wow. Yeah.
0: Do any of them play music?
1: Um, not that I know of. Not yet. So it's from your mother's side. I think so. Yeah. Actually. Well, Interesting, interestingly enough, my uncle David on my mom's side is the one who kind of started the whole music thing for us. He okay. gave uh, electric guitar to my older brother Sonny, and then you know he learned to play guitar. And I wanted to be cool like him. Cody followed me, and I think soon we're all playing guitar. M- I think
0: most people would really like the way this story worked out, and that it's not a story of you getting into the bike hang. Yeah. Well, because you really, I I'm think glad. your music has enriched a lot of people's <laughs> lives. It's enriched mine. I
1: hope so. Thank you, Dave. Um, that's, I mean, that's our friendship more so,
0: but I mean, I love your music too. It's a Thanks, real bonus man. when you, you know, one of your favorite artists can be one of your good friends. That's a big deal. Oh, man.
1: Um, that's awesome. Thanks for saying that.
0: And so. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I mean, you're hitting me with stuff that I know you've alluded to before, mm-hmm. but I haven't heard some of these stories. I mean, you've never told me that about your dad wanting to
1: yeah i mean it's kind of stuff that doesn't come up that often if you're just kind of you know shooting the shit with people yeah i mean it's it's it, you know unless you're delving into um you know the deep history of my life and, and you're trying to get there you yeah. know i don't really bring it up that often right it's i guess kind
0: that's of... true it's just we've we've gone places before with conversation so yeah yeah um that's cool i like that i mean that's i'm very happy to be finding some of this stuff out cool man. um okay so let's let's I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but I think we need to get you to Seattle and, and get into that. So so you're learning to play guitar because you don't really know anybody. Mm-hmm. How long does it take you to play guitar where you feel you're proficient enough to play guitar in a band?
1: I'd say probably about a year and a half. Okay. Because I was, I was working really hard at it. Like I got to a place where it just became the most important thing in my life. You know, once I I knew that I kind of wanted to play music – um and I went to a few all ages shows. They were at the old firehouse in Redmond. So your first
0: punk rock all ages show is mm-hmm. at the old firehouse in Redmond. Yep. What show is it?
1: Um so the first show That's a great question. There's there's a couple that I, my memory isn't totally clear. I remember the first one that had a huge impact on me. I know okay. I I know I saw I saw Seaweed. I saw um I saw 1007. The
0: Seaweed shows at the old firehouse were huge. Was yeah. it was it Undertow? I seaweed, saw undertow. seaweed undertow and peeved. Yes, I was at that show. That okay. was one
1: of the first shows I went to. It was a huge show. Yeah, it was awesome. And then I saw I saw Jawbreaker on the twenty four hour revenge therapy tour. Okay, sure. And that show, by then, I'd seen quite a few shows and mm-hmm. it was you know going to the firehouse a little bit and more. And were you playing music yet? Yeah, I was already playing guitar because I, I I started but, playing but, guitar when I was in Texas just right, before. But were I moved you playing up. music with other people in a band when you saw Jawbreaker? Um, I feel like. I was just kind of getting things started with Runaway Laughing because I was in high school at the time. Uh and my buddy Justin and I, who were in mm-hmm. that band together, uh were at that show. And I remember <laughs> we um, yeah, so we both looked up and we just saw Blake Schwarzenbach, you know, like jumping around on stage and just totally losing his mind. And, yeah. the, and they were playing songs from Bivouac. and And, and this mean, is at the
0: old firehouse. Yeah, at the and old the, firehouse and, the, and, and, the, and the, the
1: barriers up, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah. this was when they were having the big shows. They had a big stage, big a barrier. They actually had security in there. Totally. And there's probably if it was Jawbreaker, I'm going to guess it was around 400, 450 people to show. Probably. Yeah, Sound something right? like
1: that. Okay. Yeah, and it was I mean, it was just intense. Like people were so really enjoying the show. We
0: don't know each other, but I'm I'm definitely at that show too.
1: Yeah, you were there too? Oh, yeah, yeah. For so sure, I, right?
0: I I think I saw every Jawbreaker show at the old Firehouse. Cool. Um when they came through. Do you see
1: you saw the $5 one that they did at the end of Yes. That was such a good show. In the corner. Yeah, on the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> but um, anyway, that show was so... The, the 24-hour Revenge Therapy show was so special to me because that I remember specifically that night after I saw that show, I said... I remember saying to myself, that's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to play music.
0: It's it's Jawbreaker. Jawbreaker lights the fuse. Yeah,
1: they, they push me over the edge. But
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> I The thing is, do you remember the first time... You came into the old firehouse. What your impression of it was, and what bands were playing, and that might be too much to ask.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember specifically. It's it's some it's some mixed it dreamlike be, memory it of could, all of these experiences. Given we're the timeline
0: about. you're putting here, it could very well be that seaweed undertow peeved show. I think
1: that was it. Honestly, that's that's like because I remember I got a show, I got a shirt at the first show I went to, and I still have it. It's a seaweed shirt. Well, then said that's it. It's the one that says "Visualize Tacoma." On yeah. The
0: yeah was great so that's a that's a very good first show yeah it was and, great. That's, and then so then shortly after that you got jawbreaker you are in
1: <laughs> i was hooked
0: and Runaway, laughing did you guys have like a were you guys like really influenced by like sunday real estate probably yeah there a lot I, of I saw Sunny Day
1: at the firehouse too around that time and um yeah and they they influenced me because i saw i think their first three or four shows I, was, I saw them play when there was like nobody watching. The first shows with um with Jeremy singing. Yes. I didn't. Uh, no, I actually saw them with. Um, when it was just the three of them? Yeah. When it was Thief Steal Me a Peach. Is that what they
0: were called Thief before? Thief Steal Me a Peach. And I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I believe Thief Steal Me a Peach was Jeremy. And Sunday Day Real Estate originally, like the first seven inch, uh-huh. and, like the first four song demo they did is just Dan singing. Nate playing bass uh-huh. and William drum. Yeah. I had
1: that seven inch. I got that seven right. inch. So I don't know if I bought that at a sunny day show or if it was a different show before
0: that. And then it was shortly after that, that this other band that I think William and like they merged the two bands and it became sunny day real estate. Was that
1: brotherhood? Was it the other one that, uh, that William Goldsmith was in?
0: No. Uh Nate played guitar with brother or, or played bass with brotherhood, okay that was it. and he actually talks about he Christ writes, on a
1: crutch that's the one christ on a crutch, okay
0: definitely um is uh, yes, <laughs> Christ on a crutch definitely was was, was one of those bands that also i I believe he he Nate played in that also, and then I think diddley squat back in the day God it'd be awesome to get Nate in here at some point and say yeah, hey man, cool. let's sort
1: this all out, Should get Jerry Ennick in here I don't know him very well yeah it's crazy we've been around around each other a bunch Um, we've crossed paths so many times on you know just through the scene but that's why it's
0: it would be fascinating to me to find out just how many things we did in you know because i i i am friends with many of his friends Mm -hmm. um and you know i've when we see each other it's like hey how you doing so i i I, uh, i hope i hope at some point to get a definitely William in here I'd love to get William here and I would like to get Jeremy in here too I'd It'd love really to hear great. those podcasts <laughs> We'll see I think I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit Okay this is podcast I'm number pull,
1: 2 I'm pulling for you <laughs> Thank
0: you Um okay so but I remember thinking that a lot of those bands that came out of the East Side especially that they were on there was a compilation uh
1: East Infection I do remember that Mr. Matt Matsuoka <laughs> named that one I was at the meeting the band meeting that 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 got named at <laughs> oh man!
0: So um, Matt Motswoka not only will be on this show, he may have his own show on this podcast network.
1: Oh wow, cool! Yeah.
0: Of course, he's working on it. He's, he, his uh, his his uh, operating title right now is the Token Asian. Nice token. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with weed being legal and everything, right? That's going to be so. Uh, I I just think we're going to have. I mean, he needs to record in here, and we're not smoking
1: in here, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Michael um, Ann's not going to let you smoke that in here.
0: Oh, I'm not. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's the opposite. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so we're getting totally yeah. off track here. Let's yeah. let's come back in. All right. So you then you start doing Lying on Loot. Do right. You, now, around this time, I've either met you, we've been in the same party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to tell you how I... Okay. So you've been inspired. I'm, I'm going to get back on track here in a second. You've been inspired... Jawbreaker, it's a that's a life changer. Mm-hmm. Jawbreaker can do that to people, and done has done that to many people. Yeah. So you start playing "Lying on Lute." By the way, "Lying on Lute" has a full recording, a fantastic full recording. You cannibalized some of the songs for Waxwing. Some of that stuff, no one's heard.
1: Really, I don't even remember it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. We had a conversation a little over ten years ago where I begged you to let me release it, and you said no way. But I'm every. Decade or so, I'm gonna get on your case. Okay. I might, I would start a record label up again, a new one, to be able to put that out. <laughs> um, and the DAT tapes in my safe. Anyway, oh good, <laughs> don't I worry. I didn't even know about. I'm that. holding on for you. You knew about. It. Well, I didn't remember. It. Well, it's the so here's here's what happened. You went in to record with Jake Snyder. Yep, in the studio that he had in his parents' garage mm-hmm. in Woodenville. In Woodenville. Uh, and shortly after that, I was out there with Jake, and he was playing. I think he was playing. State Route 522 recordings for me that I was going to release through the record label. Through remember, Excursion at the time. Yes. Remember I did a CD that had four bands doing four songs each. Mm-hmm. It's called Forecast. Oh, yeah. State Route 522 has songs on there. And while I'm there, he says, hey, listen to this. This is Lying on loot. Listen to these songs. And he plays Defeatist and Skies of Stars. Mm-hmm. Did I say those right? Yep. Okay. And those songs are not Lying on loot. Those songs are you singing and playing acoustic guitar with Seth Warren playing violin. violin. that's right. They sound nothing like anything else you guys recorded that day, and they floored me, like and 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 I I was sitting there with this look on my face, and Jake just looked at me, and then he just kind of nodded and went, "Yeah, huh." <laughs> And I was like, tell him I want to put this out. I want to put this out. And Jake was like, well, I was thinking about saying I want to put this out. I'm like, I really want to put this out. Like oh, this, wow. I
1: never knew you guys had that conversation.
0: This well, And what ended up happening is through that conversation, we decided on the Lying on Loot State Route 522 split 7-inch okay. that came out on Excursion.
1: Oh, that's right. Okay. Which had
0: Toy Cow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had um, the two Lying on Loot songs, which are, yeah your two songs. It's not and that's the only line on loot stuff I think that was released at all. Yeah, that's
1: all that was released. Okay.
0: And the other stuff doesn't sound like that. The other stuff sounds like an early shot at Waxwing.
1: Totally. That's that's more what the band was all about. It was trying to we were trying to do what I eventually I think was able to achieve better with Waxwing.
0: Right. But it's it's still like for someone who loves Waxwing and someone who loves Rocky stuff, loves your stuff, your Mm -hmm. your solo stuff, um that they
1: want to hear that line on Little I'd be interested to hear what it sounds like. I mean, I'm sure it's just kind of like, you know, early form of songwriters. You're probably songwriter going to cringe, stuff. but. Like, oh yeah. I probably would hate it. It. Dude,
0: it. But it's, it's not bad. It's really cool. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so that, after that, we know each other fairly well. I mean, we we're, we're working on this thing. Right. You know, and, and you had started, you were doing waxwing, but when did you decide to just you with a guitar that you're going to do that, that you, you can do it without a band? Mm-hmm. When did you decide to do that?
1: Well, Jake and I, uh, we recorded my first full length album in '99, and that was um, in the basement of the Aurora House. That remember? was
0: early '99. It had to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was, do you remember? Of course, you remember the the Aurora Punk House, where?
0: Yes. Uh, Crucial.
1: Yeah, that's that's where uh, Waxwing recorded all our first. Uh, well, we did our first seven inch in that basement, and um, yeah, Jake had a had a recording setup down there. He had an A D A T recorder. Yep, that's right, an A D A T. You
0: have a box with various tapes and dats, and you also have a VHS tape that is your first recording. You still possess it. That's right. I believe it's under your bed. You've seen it. I don't know if it's under your current bed. (laughs) In another apartment, it's under your bed.
1: It is. We put it under the bed again.
0: And what I had to (laughs) remind you a few years ago about is that-
1: Should I be scared that you know what's under my bed?
0: No. (laughs) I didn't look at this. You told me what not to look
1: at. (laughs) Oh my God! Listen,
0: I just remember stuff. And one day I was at your house, and you pulled out a box from under your bed. That's and, right. And you were, and you always get surprised when you see how much unreleased material you actually have. But you had the ADAT, you had the the it basically a VHS cassette mm-hmm. with your original recording. You recorded twenty four songs and released twelve. Is there that right? Twelve unreleased songs from your very first recording session on that ADAT
1: no way a whole other album worth of i remember material.
0: you guys saying when you were recording that you did that many
1: wow that's crazy yeah I, d- I didn't remember that at all so i wonder if
0: anyone still has that equipment it could could i mean you've <laughs> got to find out what's on there
1: totally get i mean it's, it it's, tape, it's man, gonna man, be tape's... really hard to find equipment that can that can even access what's yeah, on But that you got
0: to get it digitized before that thing is yeah is for, gone. before it
1: disintegrates that's what I'm saying. Well, okay. We'll have to make that a project for twenty fifteen. I
0: hope people that really love your music are just <laughs> are just losing their minds right now, knowing that all of this Rocky Volato stuff is out there and that people have access to it. Well, and that I think no thing. one has
1: just had the time to it. Well, anything it's a good thing you're it. reminding me that it even exists because I wouldn't remember or probably ever go check. So <laughs> that's crazy. So I got a question for you though. Oh Dave. yeah. When yeah. when did um when did we start talking about the movie and when did you ask me to be a part of that okay so how how is this a fast forward a few years no, from when we met at we're the pretty party cuz you've already yeah you've already talked about um
0: you've already talked about something you know recording in 1999 which mm-hmm. i think and I, that's why i said it had to be early 99 because but that sounds about right for the For the solo stuff.
1: Yeah. And I knew I was going to do the solo thing even before that, you know, through Lying on Loot, through Runaway Laughing. Like, uh, as I was having these bands and through all the years with Waxwing, I always had kind of more acoustic based uh, folk songs or whatever they were coming out that just didn't fit with the bands that I was trying to, you know, do something
0: louder with. The Firehouse had like. Almost like what were like open mic nights and stuff. Did you end up doing stuff at that? Was that kind of how you got experience? Definitely doing it by yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I played a few like opening slots at at shows that were more like kind of singer songwriter based yeah. or acoustic based, and and that kind of got me started with the Rocky Volato solo project.
0: Right. Okay. I so the movie that we're talking about is The Edge of Quarrel. It is a <laughs> punk rock versus straight edge. <laughs> gang fight movie that takes place in Seattle that I wrote based partially on real experiences that I had had or had witnessed with at various times with people having problems with punks or factions of the punk scene fighting each other. And also based on the movie, the wanderers.
1: Oh yeah. Which most people heard wouldn't that.
0: necessarily know. It, it's a, it's this very cool New York gang film uh-huh. where there's a big, instead of a rumble at the end of the movie, The fathers of the black gang and the white gang that want to fight each other, Mm -hmm. stop the fight and tell the kids you're not going to fight. You're going to play a football game against each other, and we're going to bet on it. So the whole neighborhood comes out to watch the black kids play the white kids. And during the game, another gang called the Ducky Boys, who are just these (laughs) weird, evil kids that don't talk and they kill people, Uh attack the football field. And the black kids and the white kids and their fathers and all the people from the neighborhood band together and fight the ducky boys
1: and win. Wow. So that was the inspiration for well, Edge of Coral.
0: I don't know what happens at the Edge of Coral. Something <laughs> about the two sides getting together and having to fight some rednecks that just show up at the, <laughs> at, the at the big rumble. It's it's, it's, it's similar. <laughs> it's inspired by. Okay. But so I wrote The Edge of Coral in spring and summer of nineteen
1: ninety seven.
0: Okay. Um, we filmed for two weeks hardcore. Like we filmed in 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 September, in the end of August and beginning of September of nineteen ninety seven is where we filmed the rumble and a lot of the, like the serious like stuff. That's
1: where we went up to Bellingham. Did we we filmed that in Bellingham, right? We
0: filmed it in Bellingham. The rumble scene it was in mm-hmm. Bellingham. Uh, after that, it took another two years to get that thing finished. Oh my gosh, that's right. Because <laughs> it was to get just whenever to whenever we could everybody. get people together you know whenever i had time and there were just lots of weird things that happened that made it stretch out but your question was why did i side on you
1: yeah and what made you decide to ask me to be a part of that i
0: was thinking about the people that could play these different roles that i had written and i was trying to think of the tone of the main character and i have been accused by people of basically the main character kind of being my point of view and I thought that was unfair because every character in that movie has my point of view. Part of me was the punk rock point of view. Part of me was a straight edge point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me was that middle guy, the main character. So the main part of me was that one that was like, no, 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 we could have these different agree- disagreements, but come on, we're all part of the same thing, which is unfortunately what your character did the whole movie and then <laughs> lost. So, <laughs> except one, because you get the girl. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I was considering you and i was thinking about other people that could play the different parts and and of course not that anyone knew like i i don't think anybody knew when i said will you come be in my movie what i was going to get you into like totally. i don't think you knew i was going to immerse you in this
1: multi-year thing <laughs> no, I you had probably no thought you were going to come over for a weekend and have <laughs> yeah, some fun that was yeah. it <laughs> i didn't realize it was going to be as involved as it was uh, uh, or that i would just, end up meeting my wife through just, the movie
0: well i'm glad that you got something out of it <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't just suffer all these years. <laughs> totally. Um, okay. And Michael Ann said Rocky would be perfect, you should ask Rocky. Oh, she was the key. She did. Okay, I so I would say that even me. though even though Thank I you, knew you were the right person for it, uh-huh. like it doesn't really click. It doesn't really happen until and I don't remember asking you. I don't remember how that how I
1: approached you about it. Yeah, the only it's person so strange for- to think of a world where I don't know April and or <laughs> Michael Ann you know and and that you are thinking about asking me to be a part of that yeah i you were dating
0: michelle probably yeah. at the time yeah and that's who i yeah it was so we get everybody together this is like they, too personal the only per- <laughs> yeah well it's a pot you know come on if so, we're we're this is coming an inside up inside we're like coming into an hour here this wow. we might be more we might be less i'm not 100 percent sure but um feels like we just started. I know. That's the thing. This could go. And it's going to keep going until, <laughs> when, until we get there. Until we get there, man.
1: So it's kind of like the movie. It's just, I don't know what I'm getting into, and then it just keeps going. Yeah, the movie's and too... I,
0: it, I think this is how I just do stuff, and I thought I'd outgrow it, and, you know, I think I'll outgrow it when I die, and <laughs> I'll just be dead for a long time. People be like, God, he's been doing this for too long. <laughs> okay. Um, so the only person I remember asking to be in the movie is, is uh, Dan Galucci. Okay. That was like a thing. I had to sit I sat down with him at, at uh the Mexican restaurant next to the Cha Cha. Bimbo's Bimbo no. Bimbo's. Yeah, God, Bimbo's Wow. I that's still around. I should know this stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And we talked about it and he said, yes, which was, that was the, that was the get that I needed. I really needed Dan to do that part because mm-hmm. I just, in my mind, it was him, yeah. you know?
1: Well, congratulations, Dan. He's gone and do amazing things with his life, oh, huh? Dan's what's What's
0: Fantastic. he in now? Is he playing in the Cold War? Kids? Cold War? I saw him on TV a couple months ago. Really? On one of the late night shows. Yeah. So he was
1: great. in, he was in Murder City Devils at the time, right? And then he went on to do yep. Modest Mouse for years. Yep. And he was with them like through, I think their best period. He oh, helped, clearly, clearly. Helped write the Float On song. The, yeah. that, I think that was their biggest hit. And then uh, now he's in Cold War Kids. Kids. Yeah. And he's done a bunch of other stuff. So Anything he touches basically turns to gold. Just yes, like your do. movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if, anyone, if any of you have seen it, you know why we're laughing. <laughs> Look, I don't know why I decided to do that. I just yeah. decided to write a movie and get a bunch of people in it. And I think I thought it would be fast. I thought it would go quickly. Right. I filmed it on a Hi8 video. And it took forever. And there were tons of, tons of delays and problems. After we filmed the first two weeks, we had all that under our belt. Aaron Edge grew a beard. Aaron Edge is one of the main characters in the movie. He's Rolo. He's incredibly important in the movie. And he grew a beard and wouldn't shave it. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) He's going to be on here. We'll talk about it. But one of the reasons why there was such a long delay is because I had to stop. I had to rewrite the script, writing his character completely out because he had scenes in between scenes he'd already filmed that were crucial. Mm. Um, and so I just had to remove the character of Rolo. Because he wouldn't shave
1: him. his fucking beard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what really he say wanna, about it now? I really want Oh, he... we don't. I don't know. He, I mean, <laughs> come on. I'll, when he's on this podcast, we are going to talk about it extensively. But I'll give you the short version. Okay. He was in HIMSA and they agreed that they were all going to have beards. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And then they shaved their beards. And I see him one day and he's got no beard. And I've already rewritten the script. Oh, man. And I'm like, you know, what? he's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm done with that. I don't have a beard. We, we can finish the movie. You can be in the movie again.
1: He was like, OK. Like, I'm looking at the Himsa
0: record right there. <laughs> You're looking at the picture disc. Yes. <laughs> um, So, yeah, that was just a thing. So the whole gist of this and it's, yeah, is that. I finished the movie. Finally, it took mm-hmm. me after we were done filming everything. It took me in months and months and months of, of working in the middle of the night editing. It wasn't like it is today. I, it was, it had all been shot on high eight tapes and then a lot of the audio didn't work. So I had to get people. Did you ever have to come over to my apartment and look at the TV and redo your lines into a microphone?
1: No, I never had to do that. I, guess, I, I guess, guess the audio worked when we were, we got lucky Well, back.
0: you were a pro. There was so much, for some reason <laughs> some, I had to get so many people to do that. And um to make the audio a little bit better. And if you've seen the movie, you know it doesn't make much difference. And um <laughs> and so I edited in the middle of the night. I had to transfer everything from these high eight tapes to a big like Betamax tape. And then that was able to have time code so that it could ah. then be edited with um digitally edited with Chris Hanzik from Hanzik Audio okay. had a digital editing setup. And so what he told me was this I will let you edit the movie in my studio from 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. I'll give you the key. I'll give you the code. You'll pay me this much when it's all said and done, depending on how much work it's, it's taken. Mm-hmm. So it took me months because also bands, if they booked a lockout where they had, they had their equipment set up, I couldn't go in in the after hours for that because they could end whenever they wanted and start whatever they wanted and they didn't want their equipment touched. Mm-hmm. And I would have to walk through where they were recording. Okay. So I would also get locked out of the studio for my, like a three weeks or a month. Crazy. Oh yeah. So I never knew the backstory
1: on. of why it took so long.
0: And so I did, I learned all this stuff. And then shortly after that, I mean, within a couple of years, you had desktop video editing capabilities. that could have all done it at home, but right. it just wasn't there yet.
1: Okay. You know? So you were so ahead of your time, Dave. Well,
0: whatever. <laughs> hey, Matt's first movie, he actually had to edit. So Matt Matsuoka made a movie called, uh, called heartbreak beat. That's and right. And he made that shortly before I made edge of quarrel and it inspired me i saw that he could do it with the equipment that he had and with a lot of the same actors and they were all having fun with it so and i had a blast helping him with it so i wanted to make mine he did not even have that he had to use um the actual old school real real like like tape style wow i've never done it like not splicing editing but like you know
1: Two tape decks. It's a different world, man. I mean, I just- Flying I, a race Actually, to, to like jump into the present, which is, is that allowed on this podcast? Sure, but, but I just recorded an album on two-inch tape. Like my the new album I just recorded. And you haven't recorded on tape such, for a while. Oh man, it was crazy. Like it's been a decade since I've recorded on tape. Well, I just
0: heard this record and it's phenomenal. And if that's the difference and everyone needs to go back to doing it that way.
1: (laughs) It is. It does make it sound better. But it's it's totally different though. I mean, it's really, you can't, in terms of editing and all that, like it's very limited. Like you just have to, it it requires a high level of commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to just say, all right, that's the take. Yep. We're going with that take.
0: And there's something, uh, there's something to be said for that.
1: Yeah. It makes you, it makes you more... I don't know. You're just more committed to what you're doing. And, yeah. you, and you know you have to show up and you have to get the performance.
0: Right. And so in the case of something like my movie, you know, you can't keep polishing that turd. It's never going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm saying this, but, you know, I, there's things in that movie. That I'm proud of. And there are things that you do very well in that movie that I really, really like. (laughs) Um, Overall, it is what it is, man. Yeah. It was just an early... It was an experiment. It was us having fun. And then kind of once you got to a point, you just had to keep going with it. Totally. I'm glad we finished
1: it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of one of these cult classic things people recognize me for when I'm walking down the street in Spain. And okay, I was going to (laughs) ask about that, but here's the thing. You have never been straight
0: edge. No, I never have been straight edge. And at the time, I asked you to play a straight edge character in a straight edge movie, and well, in a movie with straight edge people. And I am straight edge, and was straight edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm more straight edge now than I've ever been actually sure but that's i i have an issue with that kind of language we'll get to it what if you're
1: not now you never were
0: no it's just you're not you're nobody is kind of straight edge nobody is basic i'm basically that's what your aunt says i saw someone say that on the internet when well, mom says well your sisters are straight edge too they don't know straight edge is a philosophy that you take on and you claim that ideal and right. then you're locked into it forever okay and that way i was never straight edge. right you No, know, in all ways you were never straight edge <laughs> You played one on TV, yeah. which is great. But I, I, I remember your one objection to being in the movie was that I was going to have you play a straight edge character and you are not straight edge. And right. I think I told you it's acting. And I probably said to you, they don't really kill people in horror films. <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't, that's what I would probably say today. That's what you should have said. It sounds familiar. I remember just thinking it's a totally okay, man. It's imaginary. We're totally. not making a documentary. Um. <laughs> so no that's that was so that was a blast and and through the course of that you you met your wife. Yep, that's um, right. And then you had a child before I was able to finish the movie and so I dedicated the movie to him.
1: That's right. Keenan. Yep, he's in the credits. Keenan's in the other room right now. <laughs> 15 years old. Oh, yeah. And he's like almost six foot tall. He's one of the most <laughs> amazing
0: people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> um, he, is, no, he, he is phenomenal. And so there's a there's a part in the credits that says dedicated to Keenan Spiro Votolato, who who uh, took longer to make and came out better.
1: Or who was made in less time.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, you know,
1: it was made made in less time and came out I better. Did I say it took
0: longer to make? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I got my own thing. You remember what it I said. I remember
1: what it said. <laughs> <laughs> so say it one more time. You can edit that out. Um.
0: Oh, I kind of like you correcting me. I think that's more fun and we laugh a little more. Screw that. I don't need like to edit this stuff out. <laughs> All right. So um, so you told me that you were working on, that you just finished a new record. That's right. Yep. Just
1: finished it. And who did you record with? Recorded with Chris Walla at the Hall of Justice down in Fremont. And that's where you did Suicide Medicine. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the last record I actually did on tape.
0: That was the last re- Hello? Oh, yeah.
2: shit. You guys are still recording?
0: Yeah, we're still what's going on.
2: Hi. Hi, Michael Hi Rocky. Ann. How are you? I'm good, how are
1: you?
0: Doing good. Okay, Let's so having fun. Well let me explain what happened here. Um Michael Ann, who we've referenced a couple times, um, uh, has has barged in while we were recording. Um, which is okay, I'll forgive her. It's 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 her house. She's pretty much in charge around here. And uh oh, so now she's in the room, she knows Rocky pretty well. So if she's gonna if she's gonna show up like this, then I guess we're gonna get her on tape. Let's hear it.
2: I know Rocky pretty well, yeah. I've seen him naked. <laughs>
0: wait well, what <laughs>
1: no. a lot of people have
0: like, yeah no I, know, I, I, not, I, could, I could act surprised but I have too in yeah, various yeah, bathrooms, and various parties have you seen him actually
2: running down a hall nude from the vantage point of your bed which he is running towards I was in that bed but I was asleep On you no because you were sleeping so yeah. you did not see it
0: no that's another and let me guess that was on that was on some January 1st
2: yes it yep. was and, and we don't drink we always
0: spend New Year's oh together. you did yeah <laughs> and Rocky that was a Sober Rocky, no, No, I I was a very drunk Rocky. That was was very
1: drunk Rocky. (laughs) Yes. So, does sober Rocky keep his clothes on? This is in the days when I was, you know.
2: Yeah, I I don't think we've seen your clothes off since you don't drink.
1: Yeah, that's something that sort of happens as you sober up. It's kind of maybe the
2: only downside of it.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, Michael, if you're gonna be here,
0: do you want to? uh, Do you want to? Do you have anything you want to ask? I've been talking to Rocky about his whole life, and
1: uh, what what would you like to talk to Rocky about? We talked a lot about the movie. Talked about the party when. I was wearing a silver shirt. No, no my clan was not I there. was not there. You weren't there. Because I came, to, as the, I came as, dressed uh, as Lloyd Dobler, Lloyd Dobler yeah, that's to right. meet you. Yes,
2: everybody told me afterwards. Oh, but I man. wasn't there for that's another such reason. That's a great story.
0: You didn't even know me until, until... I knew who you were. Oh, God. You were elusive. <laughs> yeah.
2: Did you know who I was at that time? Yeah, because... Our, uh, the team the you know the redmond firehouse all that oh, kind of that's stuff right because we all i knew the only reason you even got mentioned as being an actor in the movie was because of that's what we just yeah. talked about <laughs> was because of me because i said hey rocky should be the one because we were already hanging out and plus april already knew your brother because cody volato was this little boy that followed <laughs> april around because they worked together that's right
1: <laughs> he worked to taco Del Mar.
2: yeah exactly wait now yeah. so so did
0: they work together prior to when they met on the film
2: yeah okay. oh yeah
1: Cody and, and, Cody and April. April worked together. Yeah. And because Cody, he, he was like, I think he even told her. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're going to love my brother when yeah. you meet him.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> I know it. And he secretly had a crush on her, though. Of course. Everybody oh, yeah, did. Everybody did. That was <laughs> Sherilyn Finn. That's right. She still does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, that's a bit longer than you've known, Rocky.
1: Well, thanks for recommending me for the movie. Well, yeah. It's true. You have known Rocky long.
2: Yeah. It was probably I, the best thing that ever happened, <laughs> <laughs> at least for you. <clears throat> Plus, the story of how you met her or actually started spending time with her is one of the best in the we world. We didn't go That's over any true. of that, and yeah, you probably have a better
0: perspective. It. We had an apartment. Michael Ann and I had an apartment on Capitol Hill. This woman, Michael Ann, I, um, we've been together for <laughs> I'm almost twenty I'm a years woman now. It's twenty. 20- <laughs> I hope so. Well, I've already given away my age on this podcast. If anyone I'm a listens lady. To, we,
2: nobody needs to know my age.
0: If anyone <laughs> if anyone listens to the prior episode with Greg Benick, I divulge my age. So they could kind of figure your age sort of, Sad at least up. within maybe a few years. So we've been together no, for 20 for twenty years <laughs> this month. Or no, this year. No. Yeah, 20 yeah, this years year. this year. And uh, wow, that's Congratulations. awesome. Well, thank you. I'm pretty happy about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, because, because of that, uh, you've seen most of these stories I'll be telling this podcast. You have knowledge and sometimes another point of view on. Mm-hmm. So if you um, since you apparently did not respect our privacy, if you want to. <laughs> oh, ouch. If, you, if you want, I don't have a little light above the door that says recording. So it's OK if, if you want to um, ask Rocky some questions or talk about. Go, you know, see if he remembers things the way you remember. I'm
1: totally cool with that. I can always edit it out if it doesn't work. So. I'd like to hear Michael Ann's perspective on how April and I met oh, on that Lord. day. Like, do you remember what happened?
2: Not, I don't think. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I have the worst memory in the world, so we've been I think over I make this. We think we up. have okay. bad
1: memories. Yeah. So in my version, in
2: my version of events, we're going up to Bellingham. I think I don't know why. So, okay, you guys
1: are going to Be- this so is so we were going fun. to. So
2: we're going. You'd met her. You'd hung out around April. I mean, you knew who she was already. April we did were sound on
0: the edge
1: of she was involved in that morning. We were we were uh, filming at uh, Singles Going Steady. Singles Going Steady. Yeah, that's right. and i remember that was that was the first time i really like you know
0: had had a chance to talk to her. we were filming at singles going steady it was a record store in seattle it was the first day of filming
2: yeah was that the way? It? Crazy. That was all the way? Oh, it was. That's right. Because they really hadn't spent much time together. No. And she only really knew you just from seeing you at the Redmond Y. Yep. And then from and then I met and and I And if you her... guys want to know what's
0: going on, in the movie, this is the scene when you and John Pettibone are looking at records and Pettibone is explaining to you that punks won't fight you in the record store because it's sacred ground. That's right. <laughs> That's the day. The day we filmed that. <laughs>
1: okay. Is the
0: day you met
1: your wife. That's right. Oh okay. wow! Yeah, or, and only, I had only well, I had kind of had yeah. had like run-ins with her before, yes. but the day that that's the first day that we hung the out, hung and out? we went, and the yeah. keys were locked out of your apartment. Okay, now explain. So this. Now that we're jumping ahead, so explain yeah. this, Michael, So and, we all go back
2: you, to the. Or I don't know where I was. No, oh, I was before, down there. And before Here. we tell
1: it, I just want to say one other thing because I'd seen her at the Rocket from the Crypt show. Yes, at the Crocodile, and I remember that was the moment that I was like, Oh my gosh! Yeah, Rocket I, from I realized, the Crypt saw her too. So did everybody else in the room. I remember (laughs) she was wearing a red dress at the Rocket from the Crypt show. Which
2: which one though? That's the problem, (laughs) since we went to every single one of them. No, but yeah. So you guys. So I don't know. We all end up back at the house, at the apartment, and. We're like figuring out who's going where and you guys were hungry and you wanted to go eat and mm-hmm. Dave and I had to go to Bellingham where his family lives but I don't know why we had to go somewhere. yeah and we and thought we everybody away. was going to come to breakfast and this is before cell phones after the
0: after the film B- birthday right? celebrations was probably for, for, my, for my mother yeah. and my father oh yeah because it was
2: the end of August yeah. so that would make sense mm-hmm. yes but that's not really important to the story that's just a side note okay anyway. so you didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We've been together 20 years. (laughs) No, no, no. It was (laughs) like this. (laughs) This So we leave and it's before cell phones because we're that old. And so (laughs) it's before cell phones. We have no way of getting in touch with one another. And um, you guys leave to go get breakfast or lunch or whatever the hell you're eating. And we leave and April locks her keys in the apartment. That's right. Yeah. So you have to drive her. I mean, literally, we are only gone for two minutes, and you guys know that you don't have keys, and that was just fate working its little hands. It's and true. that stuck
0: you guys together for the whole. day. And you guys were gone yeah. all the way and up to Pellingham, So and, and
2: we were coming back that night, but I'm pretty sure April didn't maybe you
1: even reach out, <laughs>
2: reach out and talk to me. <laughs> we were
1: stuck. I together. didn't know until the
2: next morning <laughs> that she didn't have a way back into the apartment because she was kind of living with me at the, with us at the time. Do you remember? I think so, yeah. yeah. Because so. she didn't want to, she be was kind in of like in, in between apartments or something. Yeah. So
1: she yeah. had a really, really shitty apartment oh, yeah. at the time. It was terrible. It was real shitty. Yeah. And
2: autumn, Wait, was you, little. Yeah. you are yeah. talking about the
0: one down on
1: Third Avenue.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, Third Avenue downtown. The Seattle. one above the record, the old record store, um, yeah. where what, what uh, time travelers? Kind kind almost of, above. Yeah. I'm not kind
1: of close to the moor. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. near there. Yeah. Okay.
2: Anyway, so it was terrible, and so she was basically living only for a couple of weeks with us before her next place opened up. The the basement house, I believe. Ah, that
1: we ended up living together in. Yes. That's
2: right. Yeah, because we
1: we ended up spending that entire day she's, together. You do know she's going to kill us for telling all these stories on here. <laughs> but so here's the thing. So, without
0: without the movie, you guys don't necessarily mean to get together. Without this mistake of the keys, you don't necessarily mean right. to get together. But without Mike Land saying, put Rocky in this movie.
2: Yeah. And without me being best friends with April, it almost yeah, well, it comes since together. It's seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it mm-hmm. it
1: really connected us, impacted yeah. my life, and yeah, still does.
2: Because we feel like we're members of the Vodolato family. Absolutely, you All
1: right. are. So you, <laughs> so
0: you have you started right out of the gate with Naked Rocky. So you oh, yeah, because that's just totally how I roll. I'm wondering, is there any other embarrassing things before you leave?
2: <laughs> oh wow, that's really. <laughs> Be nothing, nothing that are suitable to tell on a podcast that his fifteen year old son might listen
0: to. I don't know. There's probably already stuff about this podcast. His fifteen year old son. Well, we talked about his fifteen year old son on here.
2: It's because he's one of the best people I know. You know, I the some of the stuff <laughs> you guys Thanks, say in front God. of that he really kid, is. you can't yeah, scar that kid.
0: kid. You scarred him years ago.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Kind of. Kids aren't hard enough these hey, days. Well, yeah, you yeah, yeah, many... grow
1: up with punk rock parents in their in their twenties right you know yeah
2: it's
0: just kids are just different they're not I mean look at what the stories you said what you grew up with and and look at his awesome life that he's had you know he hasn't done a lot of fighting I don't think
1: it's true he doesn't have the kind of scars that
0: we grew up with (laughs) some of that will be good and some of that will be bad totally (laughs) it'll probably make for better people in the long run I hope so
2: <laughs> all right okay i'm, get, I'm out? getting out of here thanks for coming okay in. well i don't <laughs> mind i
0: think it's cool and i may i may cut this out i may leave it in we'll see i i, I appreciate the the came in and contributed
2: thanks michael that i really didn't nice. mean to interrupt that's
1: okay no, <laughs> you did i'm glad you did we'll see okay. we may even leave you it, it see in it. Bye. <laughs> bye Love you. Babe.
0: all right so we're we're coming up on man, we've been doing this for almost an hour and a half now. So I think it's probably fair to say that I've probably forced you to uh tell too many uh <laughs> too many embarrassing personal Revealing stories. Revealing personal stories. So let's go though. ahead Thanks and, a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> that's uh that's my goal. Um so I'm gonna go ahead and uh give you some time to talk about stuff you're working on now sure. and what people can expect from you um in the future. Go ahead
1: and, and uh Talk about t- what 2015 looks like. Yeah, 2015. So, What's so going with you? Um, it's good. Things are really exciting right now. I just um, I just signed to two new record labels, um, No Sleep Records out of Huntington Beach, California. They're going to be putting out my new album uh, in the U.S. Um, this spring, and then a record label called Glitter House in Europe, who's going to um, put out the, the same album in April. So we're looking at um, this coming up we'll probably be announcing it sometime in the next few weeks with, you know, more details like the album title and and the exact uh, street date and all the rest of it, but but I'm super excited about those new partnerships and um looking forward to getting this record out. Um recorded it with Chris Walla as I mentioned earlier, recorded it to tape here at the Hall of Justice in Seattle. What's it called? Um can't say quite yet.
0: You're not allowed to say the title of your record? Not yet. Okay. It depends
1: when this is gonna go online.
0: <laughs> it may be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it we better be, wait then. It won't be tomorrow, but it's uh <laughs> it's it's gonna go soon ish. Yeah. So okay, so, so so that's we fine. haven't
1: we haven't announced the title of the album. It's the two
0: thousand fifteenth full length.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. My eighth my eighth record, my eighth full length album.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. since
1: since ninety nine. Does
0: that include uh the little five song one?
1: No. no, it doesn't include any seven inches or EPs or anything okay. that I've done. So there's okay. been an eight full length records plus How? a slew of seven inches and, and, um, uh, smaller EPs or whatever. And you're
0: going out on the road soon.
1: Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to be touring a lot this year. Really excited about that. I've got a, uh, tour starting next week with murder by death. Okay. i um, going to go down the West coast with those guys. And that ends in Memphis, I think mid February. Will you
0: have, um, Will it just be you and a guitar or will you have instrument backup?
1: Uh, probably just be me and a guitar. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about playing electric guitar on this tour. It's going to be a little bit more of a rowdy crowd for the ride right. by Death shows. So I'll probably switch between electric and acoustic, kind of how I've done in the past, um, opening up, you know, on those kind of shows. Um, but then after that, I'm going to do, um, and if you go to my website, you can see the details for this now, but I'm currently accepting submissions for uh, people to host me in their, their living room. Um, for a full U.S. tour of so living room shows. Yeah, I'm going to do a full, full U.S. tour of living room shows this spring. Um, and please, you know, if anybody now, hears, this, I know that touch. that's
0: become a more common practice now. Mm-hmm. But explain it as if a person doesn't know anything about the music scene and doesn't know what that means. How does it work? So explain it to
1: my mom. <clears throat> OK. <laughs> All right. Dave's mom. So so this is it's basically an idea that my buddy Dave Bazan, probably known from the band Pedro the Lion, came up with. Um, But he explained it to me and said this would be perfect for me to try. And so I did. But basically, um, we just we put up a list of dates and cities, a routing, a potential routing that we want. And that's on my Facebook page, my website right now. Um, and then you can go to uh, a website, a link where there's an email address on there, and you can email us if you want to host a show. If you live in one of these cities or near it and around the date that we're looking for, um, please get in touch. You can just send us an email. Um, it'll go to Undertow Management Company, and they will um, will sort through those and get back to you and let you know if um, you send in a couple photos of your living room. Basically, we're just looking for anybody who wants to host a show and can fit anywhere from from like twenty five to fifty people in their living room. And um and then um basically you just you don't have to deal with money or anything. Everything's handled through our ticketing website and uh, we sell twenty to fifty tickets per show depending on the size of the living room. And then um nobody gets your address. It's it's totally private except for the people who actually purchase the tickets. And they then, um, you know, so you won't have just random people showing up at your house. So it's a very intimate way to experience music. I love it. Um, there's no PA system. There's no stage. You know, it's just me and an acoustic guitar. Um, and so people, very intimate.
0: people who are able to get, to, and a lot of times the people who buy these tickets are friends of the people who own, who own the homes. It's like they're having
1: private performances in their home. They let all their friends know the tickets get bought up. A lot of times, yeah, and the and the person who hosts the show gets five free tickets. Right. So they, they it's them and five of their friends can you know basically have a free show, and that's and the kind that of music
0: works. you play really lends itself. I mean, you can see, you can see you play in a in a living room, and it might be more impactful. It might be a better overall experience than seeing you on a stage with a lot of people. Both of them have their own benefits. Right. There's pros um, and cons. Although I'd say, well, I don't know about cons. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't. What's the drawback of seeing you live versus the drawback of seeing you in an intimate setting? You're right. I, I yeah. don't. I don't look at it that way at all because I've seen you do these small shows and I've seen you play at weddings and I've seen you play at all kinds of things and yeah. it's, it lends itself very well to multiple types of venue. But uh, this this living room show thing is brilliant. I know you've done a lot of it.
1: Yeah, it's been really a fun thing to do.
0: So if anyone has this opportunity, thirty nine dates, right? Thirty nine dates across get the get one of these States. tickets, go to somebody's house, <laughs> hang out for an intimate night, seeing Rocky do his thing,
2: yeah.
0: buy a t shirt and a record. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Dave. Because you're selling you're selling merch just oh, like yeah, a fan, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I really, really appreciate the the support that I've gotten from my fans as I've done these kind of shows and just over all the years that I've been doing this. I mean, I'm just I just have such an incredible fan base. I'm so grateful to the people that you know keep me doing what I do and. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm looking forward to the year. Got a whole bunch of new songs I'll be playing and just, you know, I'll be heading to Europe after that. And then back in the U S probably for a club tour. So just, you know, keep an eye out.
0: Excellent. Now I'm going to tell a quick story about you.
1: Okay, go ahead. I
0: may have told you this one before. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. In 2003, I went out with champion. Okay. Just to kind of as a roadie, you know, it was great Adam, Adam Pacey and I, that's awesome. We didn't talk at all. About hardcore, really? I mean, Waxwing's kind of a punk hardcore band, but yeah. you definitely—I mean—I remember when I, I brought you to Have Heart out That's in West right. Seattle. And those we guys were like, solid. "What?" <laughs> it's a great show. It was a—they're a great band. But Champion also a great band. Great totally. dudes. So I'm out with Champion. We drive all the way across the country. We drive to, to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. it's the first place we stop. Wow. And we we were staying at somebody's house, and I'm so sorry if you are listening to this podcast. I do not remember whose house <laughs> we stayed at, but. They were awesome people. And we needed to, like merch had been shipped out there, okay. UPS, FedEx, whatever it was. And we needed supplies. I needed to go to a office supply store and I needed rubber bands to for the t-shirts. So she says, girl whose house it was, says, my friend's coming over. She's going to take one of you to the, take somebody to the store to get stuff you need. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Larson, go, you know, no problem. Don't know this person. She's going to drive me to the store. We get in her car. She turns on her car. The music that she's been listening to comes on. It's you. <laughs> awesome. And this is 12 years ago. Wow. Small world. Right. So it was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's, it wasn't completely strange, but it was still, I mean, I had this, oh my God, I. this is, you know. And so my reaction was, Oh, you listen to Rocky Vodolato. And she's like, Seattle I family. love Rocky Vodolato. <laughs> and I, I wish I could have just been cool and been like, Oh yeah, he's all right. But of course I had to be like, Oh, I know Rocky
1: <laughs> Such. <laughs> so a name it was dropper. just
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> Jesus. But um but that was a I mean I and I, I remember the time thinking, God, this is so good. He's making it. Like he is definitely oh, like everybody thanks, needs dude. to 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 listen to Rocky. Well I still feel that way. I it was Somebody's wedding. You
1: played at somebody's wedding. Play maybe it was was it Mike Turpin's wedding? Or um Nate Turpin's wedding. Yeah. That was one of the first and I remember where I remember meeting a lot of people from the scene. I remember seeing the
0: reactions of the older people at the wedding to you playing. And it was so positive. And I remember thinking, Oh my God. Like he, Rocky appeals, he's one of the only people who musically appeals across these age groups. Like he's, he's, this is, he's perfectly, I mean, I've seen this guy screaming and yelling. I've seen him playing in some kind of a, you know, I don't want to say alien tr- outfit. Yeah. Some kind of a, 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 a flashy silver suit, um, I, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. And just watching people's reactions to you. Oh, thanks, I knew Dave. that, that, that I appreciate this is what it, you man. needed to be doing.
1: Dude. I feel that way um, more than ever now. And that's the greatest thing about like just this past year and what I've been through and like getting back at it with this new album and I just feel like yeah this is absolutely what I'm supposed to do with my life you know for better or for worse no matter where I land you know I'm just I'm going to be making songs and, and playing shows for people
0: well I, I hope it works out for you because it's, it's working
1: out well for the rest of us thanks Dave I love you buddy <laughs> love me too thanks for having me you
0: Right. Episode 2 in the can. As I said I would, I am going to do some corrections, correcting the record here, about things we talked about as I was going through and editing and getting all the weird noises out of this uh, this episode. We talked about that party at the beginning when Rocky was playing in the silver shirt. I mentioned that uh, I thought Todd Graham had left the band. I'm not 100% sure that Todd Graham had left the band at that point. I think he might have just been out of town. And I also then get a little bit confused and say that I'm not sure Todd Graham was in State Route 522, which is just stupid. Todd Graham was in State Route 522 and I released a record where he's on the credits as being in the band. So that's it was just me getting a little bit caught up in the you know doubting my own memory of events. So sorry Todd if you're listening and sorry everybody else for just not being correct about every single thing. Um, but like we keep saying this is going to happen. So um, and there's probably more you know get in touch if uh, if this podcast is up in a place where we've uh, listed a way to get in touch uh, definitely contact us via uh, email or whatever else is there comment section and let us know if you think something isn't quite right because uh, I'm interested in having it all close to close to accurate um, and then we went on I, we started talking about fighting Rocky's a Kid in Texas and I mentioned uh, that movie Knock Around Guys and Vin Diesel um, and I said 36 fights it's not 36 fights the quote is 500 fights uh, his quote is 500 street fights and you can consider yourself a legitimate tough guy um, so, I kind of remembered the the gist of it, but certainly not the number. 36, I guess, won't do it. Um, that whole clip is on YouTube. It's actually kind of a fun scene to watch, um, especially if you like lots of violence. A uh, little bit later, I say, uh, Big bad fight with your three year old brother. I'm talking about the fight with Rocky and Sonny. And that was just me getting mushed mouth and tongue tied. It's supposed to be three years older brother. And I know, I mean, I've been listening to this, I've been catching all kinds of places where I left off. When I left off, S's and other things, so, uh, yeah, that's, once again, just, you know, if you think I've made some mistake with a word, I probably have, and if you can figure out what I really mean, cool. Uh, other than that, uh, we talked a little bit about Def Leppard and the dates, uh, of the different records, and this is really pointless, uh, but we'll do it anyway, because we got to be specific about this stuff. Def Leppard, High and Dry was 1981, Pyromania was 1983, and Hysteria, came out in 1987 I said it was 85 or uh, beyond so it was technically correct but 87 Um, other than that uh, that's it uh, for the stuff that jumps jumped right out at me and uh, you know I'm moving on I've got many more interviews lined up with a lot of other people from various walks of life um, that I have known over the last oh boy four decades (laughs) so I hope you tune in to the uh, continuing podcast and thank you very much for listening This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive Producers David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode provided by Polymorph from the record Artifacts, Demos and Debris.